this is Captain Lee, and you're listening to the Andertons Podcast. Thanks for watching Anderton's TV. And uh, look who's popped by. It's Chris Buck. Hello. Oh, sorry, man. We've, no we've been, Chris and I have been kind of communicating by the wonders of social media for the last <laughs> six months or so going, next time you're passing by, you must yeah, yeah. pop in and do something. And the stars aligned. Aligned. And here we are. <laughs> and the sun came out as Unbelievably well. sunny day in Guildford. So... We don't get sun in Wales. This is novel. Well, you do. <laughs> not just as not as much. It stops at the same um, bridge. Yeah. Tell us a little about yourself, Chris, because you know I, I I kind of know you from from some of the stuff you've done on YouTube, but yeah, you know, yeah. perhaps some of the the people watching will be a bit less familiar with you. So yeah, that's a bit about um, the vast majority, I imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
I'm Chris Buck, I play guitar in a band. It sounds like a start of a dating video, doesn't it? Um, I play guitar in a band called Buck and Evans. Um, kind of like Rocky Soli kind of thing. Um, four of us, um, despite the name Buck and Evans, two disgruntled non-name members. Um, but there is a reason why it kind of came later, so it was, uh, it's all good. But um, yeah, kind of rock solely, kind of original stuff, and you know, kind of playing all about the place. We're off to, uh, off to Spain in June, which if I'm struggling with the heat in Guildford in, uh, in May, is probably not the greatest uh, <laughs> omen. But um, yeah, so keeping busy, you know, kind of Facebook, all the kind of usual, the usual kind of suspects for kind of interacting with people and stuff, and you know, keeping busy generally. So. Yeah, so, so the stuff I've seen of yours, you mm. know, you've kind of been... I guess highlighted as one of sort of the emerging kind of, you know, rock blues kind of talents out of the, the UK. Um, how, long have you been, how long have you been sort of full-time guitar-wise now? It feels like forever. Um, started playing, I guess, around the kind of age that most kind of kids started playing. I guess it would have been 13, 14 mm -hmm. maybe. Um, and just, it was the only thing I've ever kind of taken up in my life that I felt like there was a relative level of natural aptitude for it. Kind of was yeah. the only thing that ever came vaguely naturally. Um, and it's it's all I'm good at really. So it's kind of it's one of those things that you've got to make it work. Because other than that, it's uh, it's kind of finding a day job. Which uh, aside from my brief two st two month stint in McDonald's when I was about seventeen, that gave me a flavour of actual work and actual labour, which uh, I've shied away from successfully ever since. You know, um, to a certain extent at least. But um, yeah, kind of I guess sort of past three four years is when it's all kind of really you know the band and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, Obviously, as you mentioned, the kind of social media stuff helps kind of keep things ticking over and, you know, kind of people, I guess, exponentially kind of becoming more aware of who I am and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, last kind of three or four years, I guess. Um, and so when you were, you know, going through your teens and you wanted mm. to be a guitar player, has the blues and the sort of blues rock always been your thing? Yeah, I think probably kind of like most kids who kind of discover the guitar at a certain age it was the the usual suspects really it was kind of Clapton. Clapton was the first gig I saw actually. Um, oh, really? Back in the NEC in... I want to say 2004 maybe. Um, I was in a different postcode to Clapton yeah. on the stage. You know, I was kind of sat in uh, sat in Stoke. What was he training, doing in 2004? You're talking that was. I want to say around the kind of time he was doing sessions for Robert Johnson, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's and, when he'd, he'd kind of gone very yeah, old school blues, blues thing, hadn't which he? Which I loved. That's I think right. the first Clapton album that kind of really latched onto, like solo Clapton, would, would have been from the Cradle, which right. is obviously his kind of full on kind of back to basics yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, kind of worked my way back chronologically from there to sort of you know the Blues Breakers and kind of discovered the Cream through that. It's every kind of band I've discovered, I've kind of gone in reverse order. I've kind of started at the beginning and then yeah. worked your way back. You know, well, you can't. Um, I think if you're certainly you know if you're if you're in your twenties now and sort of mm. getting into the guitar yeah. you haven't really got a lot of option other than to go backwards sort of yeah, backwards because yeah, uh, there's not a lot of that kind of new stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of coming it's out it's like nice frightening isn't it it's uh, a shame to think you haven't got to look so far back in, in some respects to kind of find stuff that you yeah. kind of think is worth listening to but my very very Clapton story from that night is that he nearly ran me over on the way into the gig <laughs> um, I was uh, dicking about I think on the kind of pavement walking into the gig with my parents and stepped off the pavement to have my ass wrapped by a 9-11's uh, wing mirror flying past, um, which I didn't think too much of at the time. Um, only to then watch the DVD that kind of was released subsequently after the tour of him pulling into his home studio to kind of record in this 9-11 with the same Brilliant. number plate. So it's kind Brilliant. of like my claim to flame is claim to, claim to fame is that Clapton nearly ran me over. So it could have it could have all been over when it, it started before, before it even started. started. Yeah, literally yeah. before it even started. <laughs> so uh, and who, who else then? Because I kind of. Um, I mean, my, funnily enough, my hmm. Clapton, I don't think I've, I wouldn't ever say that I've gone off Clapton. Yeah, yeah. But that was probably, you know, I, I think I liked 
you know, I liked all the claps and stuff when it was yeah, a yeah. lot more up tempo than oh, all yeah. that kind of kind stuff. Eighties Clapton, is it? Eighties Clapton. I guess that's more my... you were in. That's kind of when you were growing yeah. up. Yeah. So I journey, loved eighties Clapton, yeah. and then I kind of loved all the slightly more up tempo kind of cream stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was almost the sort of when it kind of I, I don't remember what the what the album was, but there, there was there was that moment when he just went, Do you know what? I'm just going to go and re-record a whole load of songs that I yeah, love yeah. from the, you know. He's kind of been really doing that ever since, hasn't he, really? It's kind of standards and stuff. Yeah, and it's all, put at certain points. it's all sort of gone a bit pedestrian, I sort of Yeah, think. I think it's... It's all, you know, it's what it's floats your boat, isn't it? Inevitable, who, isn't who it? Who else, though, was there? Because, you know, I mean, I know Clapton's, you know, he's, mm. he's, he's, he's like God, isn't he, as far yeah, as... Yeah. Um, you know, According to the graffiti, literally, yeah. Yeah, um, but, you know, certainly on the British kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. I think... Who else? Slash was probably the first kind of guitar player that I really latched onto in a sense of actually kind of getting into the band yeah. and getting into Guns N' Roses to the extent where I had a cupboard full of bootlegs that I'd managed to get hold of and all this kind of stuff. You know, I pretty much had every, every at some point in my life, I've had a recording of every show that was recorded. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't have said that. You don't, I don't hear a lot of Slash yeah. in terms of your playing I think, style. Do you think? Kind of coming around to a strat kind of took me away from that. I think up until a certain point in my life, I was kind of mini Slash, you know, kind of right. Lokes Lung Les Paul kind of back home here, hence this mess, um, the bird's nest that is now attached to the back of my head. Um, yeah, kind of very much in the image of the guy that was kind of inspiring me every day, you know, and um, it was kind of finding a strat and kind of finding, it's cliche, but finding my own voice a little bit more through the strat and kind of finding a little bit more of who was me and less of Slash, you know, which a bizarre story. I've actually uh, played with Slash on a couple of occasions and long story short, we share a manager um, or the kind of manager that saw guns through their kind of, um, from about 86 to 91, I think. Funnily enough, I was talking to um, Alan, our manager, the other day and the first show we ever did with GNR was uh, Guns N' Roses either being supported by or supporting the Red or Chili Peppers. Right in a union LA somewhere and he said including myself there were 12 people there and he said I didn't know whether that was my memory playing tricks on me but he said someone forwarded photographs a while ago and he said you can see myself in the audience and you can count the other 11 people and think what that uh, what that bill would fetch now Um, saw them through from that so I think the last show we did them was Wembley I think Um, I had no idea that you'd done that kind of size of tour you know that's crazy it's um yeah, I got up with him in Birmingham. It would have been the first time in at the NIA um, in front of about 12,000 people, I think, which was a little bit daunting. And how how um, did the Buck and Evans stuff go down as a support act for... Because it's nothing oh, like that, it's heavy. Yeah, is, that wasn't actually oh, this support. Was, right. This was just literally kind of getting up with right, Slash. Right, we, right. we went on to play with him later on. We did a festival, or actually a big benefit show out in Arizona, where we were kind of, I guess, in essence, the opening act. And then Slash came on. The kind of stand-up lovely guy that he is, he'd flown across. I think he was promoting a film he'd been involved in at some point in Canada. And he'd flown across, literally him and his, and his bodyguard. No guitars, no amps, no anything. Um, and we were his backing band for the night, basically. Um, kind of wrapped through a couple of Stones tracks, a couple of Guns tracks, oh, obviously, amazing. some Hendrix stuff. Um, so that, I've, bizarrely, I have much more vivid memories of that, I think. Not only because it was more recently, but it was a little bit more relaxed. It was over the over the course of a set, as opposed to one condensed six-minute, run at it screaming, do the blues jam, get off, kind of did that really happen kind of moment. Um, so, yeah, that was that was cool. But he's, he's a lovely guy. So I think it was kind of... Alan, my manager, wanted to wait until a point where he felt comfortable that I was comfortable enough in my own skin as a player not to try and get up and out slash slash, you know, and kind of be me a little bit more. So, um, I mean, you only find your voice through being a poor imitation of a hero, really, don't you? So. Well, I certainly think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, somebody asked me that the other day. It's kind of, who did, who did I copy? Yeah. And I kind of went, I don't know that I ever went out of my way to copy Someone, anyone. Yeah, yeah. 
but I definitely subconsciously I've obviously I certainly play in the style of people that I've yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. liked listening to oh, it's um, subconscious isn't it, it kind of mm. especially when you're learning when you're young it's you're a sponge and everything kind of gets into a certain extent yeah. and it's how much it comes out in what you play then I guess we'll, have, the... we'll have to get a little clip of you uh, playing something a little bit heavier as well from yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Of those days wanted to mm. I always wanted to be able to play the guitar as low down as Slash does <laughs> but because I don't know I feel quite you know when I've got a, a, a guitar on a strap I almost want to be you know like yeah, playing yeah. it like John Alan Holdsworth or something you know right right <laughs> yeah. up, not technically like him but you know I feel more comfortable with it I just I, I really struggle have you I mean how do you it can't do much for your posture can it in the long run <laughs> is, that, is be, that the only way you're doing it just leaning right over I'm gonna be about four foot six angle the time I reach 30 um no, um, I don't know. I think ever since I've kind of been using the Strat, it's got progressively higher. And it's kind of, you know, Les Paul was as low as long as I could find the lowest Strat to go. Um, but yeah, it's kind of getting progressively higher. But I don't think of myself as kind of playing the guitars relatively low. And then you kind of see people commenting on videos of mine kind of going, how does he do it that low? And it's yeah. like, I don't think it is that low, really. But apparently the look on your face tells me it is. But, well, um, I, just, I just find it... I, I don't know what it is. I just find it incredibly yeah. awkward. It's further away, isn't it? At the end yeah, of the day. unless you've got that kind of angle, angle in your elbow yeah. to help get the hand round here. To, you know, if you're trying to play with your arm relatively straight, I just kind of, it just feels... But I suppose it's... He does look super badass. Though, oh, he looks so cooler like, than, you know, than, you know, the sort And of... that's, I keep saying, that's still yeah, yeah, yeah. the most important part for oh, any yeah. guitar. It just look cool. Look cool. Play, away, you, know. you can get away with a multitude of yes, things. as long as you cool. look cool. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> I, mean, I do neither. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Oh. So look, let's. Mm. Um, so so the 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 because I've seen I said never seen you live. I've just mm. seen well I've seen you live on YouTube, not yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in in the flesh. And you know, Buck and Evans is is that kind of. It's it's. I wouldn't have even said it was Claptony. You know, it's it's yeah. got that kind of. It's got a rockier There's, edge to it. I think we're the culmination of all of our all of our influences and. I guess kind of aesthetically if you look at Buck and Evans there's a million reasons why it shouldn't work we don't look like your archetypically archetypically cool band you know we kind of different backgrounds different ages all yeah. this kind of stuff but it's kind of I think the the response that we have generally to it is one of total effusive kind of people love it yeah. or kind of really don't love it you know I wouldn't go as so fast as I hate it but people either really get it and absolutely kind of fall in love with it or you know kind of whatever um, and I think people see that as it's authenticity it's kind of you know he's there because not because he's the best looking guy for the job, but he's he's the right guy for the job musically, yeah. you know. But kind of Bob, our drummer, comes from a very much kind of, you know, Cozy Powell and Ian Pace, where he's kind of drumming mm -hmm. idols growing up, so very much purple, rainbow, kind of yeah. much heavier kind of stuff generally. 
Um, Sally Ann, the singer, comes from a kind of more of a gospel kind of, you know, Mahalia Jackson, through a kind of Fleetwood Mac kind of thing, you know, that yes. kind of stack harmonies kind of thing, which is yeah. something we've been increasingly trying you do, to incorporate. You can, I can definitely hear that influence. Yeah, the there. Fleetwood Mac thing is something we've kind of really set about, not trying to recreate as such, but kind of setting that as a little yeah. bit more of a kind of bench, you know, benchmark of way ahead. Um, but yeah, again, it's the kind of, I guess we sound like, hesitate to say us because that's a very bold, bold statement but we sound kind of like the culmination of a unique ingredient of you know set of ingredients so yeah, um, yeah kind of rocky solely you know again the kind of more kind of songwriting influences that I kind of I guess I bring to the table and more kind of modern stuff Ryan Adams but yeah. Paul Anthony, all that kind of stuff so it's it is totally the culmination of the parts yeah. you know when when you're approaching playing hmm. guitar are you you know are you predominantly staying within kind of like a minor pentatonic kind of shapes and just yeah. you know is that is that is that very much your grounding in guitar is I that kind of vibe i guess initially everyone it's that kind of you know it's the five notes and kind yeah. of i remember that kind of reaching to a point when i was a kid where it blew my mind that pretty much everything i'd loved up until that point was a variation of five notes yeah um but i think i find myself playing increasingly more kind of major sort of stuff um, okay just because it makes me feel happier i think you know but um <laughs> yeah kind of i guess it like, even that kind of boils down to major pentatonic kind of stuff and yeah. it's you know kind of very hard to get away from the fact that a lot of what your heroes or yourself do is boils down to the five or six have notes, you got so. like a, a favorite go-to lick that when you're sort of jamming you wanna... yeah this kind of something that kind of people tend to pick up on sorry i'm probably going to be wild right. out of team given the heat um it is hot in it here. is warm yes um but um yeah kind of something that people have picked up on that i tend to do a lot which again you kind of start to notice when other people pick up on it and not so yeah. much yourself watching yourself back but it's kind of like a slidey kind of uh, all that kind of stuff you know um which is lovely isn't oh, it thank you very much um all that kind of really stem from trying to emulate kind of like a vocal thing you know mm. the kind of inflections and the kind of uh what's the word this a because that's not Clapton at all, is it? No, I, no. I, 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 that's more Derek Truxy without the slide, yes, I guess. And kind of that's like, exactly. you know, Joey Landreth and all that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, the phenomenal Shout side out players. for the Joey. Yeah, shout out for Joey. A monstrous player. Yes. Um, he's coming back over, isn't he, soon? Yep, in the summer. I shall be there. I, I was gigging pretty much every date that he played last time. I was out myself. So uh, I shall definitely have to get to a show. Definitely. Uh, I want to get a copy of his album as well. It's not on Spotify or you, um, iTunes or any of that kind what, of stuff. What, Whiskey? Yet, so, yeah, yeah. Might so, be able to help you out there. Oh, awesome. See, I knew I knew <laughs> there was a reason I came. Um, yeah, that's very much more of a kind of slide-orientated kind of thing. Obviously, sans slide. Um, mm. If you heard me with a slide, it's like a cat dying, so it's not something, um, not even something I'm going to attempt. But, um, yeah, trying to emulate the kind of, what's the, there's a posh Italian word in there. Is it glissando? The kind of in and out of kind of pitch. Sounds like an ice cream kind of to me, but I yeah, think exactly. you're probably right. I think you're right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, kind of trying to emulate that kind but of But I, I agree. I mean, that, that kind of, you know, the, the, you, you're replacing with a, you know. Just, you know, getting those, getting those. Yeah. It, it, no, totally. I, I, I spend, you know, I don't consider myself, uh, you know, technically a great guitar player or anything like that. And certainly. Don't you, do you yourself know, a disservice. No, but it, it, I'm a big believer in going, if you can make one note sound better. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Then. You do, know, the, do the one do note. that yeah, oh yeah you know yeah. don't don't kind of go oh, i must get 30 notes per second yeah. down you it's, know just I, just again it's a slight cliche to say but bb king was the the guy for that you know kind yeah. of 
I went, to, went to Cardiff to see him play. And it was great. It was a bizarre gig, actually. It was kind of like an evening with BB King. It was kind of like an audience with him. It was kind yeah. of, I don't think the band stopped playing all night. They kind of gave him like a kind of groove and he told stories. All of which oh, seemed brilliant. to culminate in All Women Are Angels was the kind of, was the message at the end of each song, pretty much. Um, which I would encourage him to take a walk yeah. down uh, Caroline Street in Cardiff at the yeah, time. Absolutely, he was yeah. <laughs> I, 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 no, he, that's, yeah. I, but, uh, I, he's, I mean, yeah, you're completely right. There is a, if there's a, you know, if, if ever if ever you need to some inspiration to just go, I don't need to play a thousand yeah. miles. Yeah, oh, totally. Hour. Yeah, you know, or say it with you know, thirty notes when you can say it with one. Yeah, you know, I I love that. And and again, actually, just how far you can get. It. What a f- fabulous voice! Oh, incredible. And the phrasing and everything was just ridiculous. Live at the Regal was the first BB King album I got hold of, and it's just kind of the yeah. energy kind of oozing out of that. So I think that set the. I tell you who we have. Got. I don't know if you're. Mm. It's probably too far for you to come, but mm. welcome no, to no, no. get you on the guest list if you want to come. We've got no, an you. evening with Eric Gales oh, no next way. week. Oh, he's unreal. Oh. There's certain guys that you see playing that it's inspiring to the extent where you think, if I practiced, mm. I could do that. And then this other guys like Eric, where you think there's no point. There's no point in even vaguely trying to emulate that. Because as long as I've got a hole in, yeah. You know. I, do you know what? I I was watching a little YouTube clip of Eric Gales the other day, and I I, I always thought that mm. that you, when you see Eric and you you hear about his backstory and obviously yeah, yeah, the difficult yeah. upbringing he's had and his all his battles with alcohol, yeah, and like that, you did just think there's got to be some God given kind of just talent in this guy. Yeah, yeah. Just, but you listen to him, and he's just again, he's just. Learnt and just learnt and it, yeah. practice, and he sees. You know, he he knows uh, every note and every scale yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything that you can do. So that if his brain goes, oh, this is probably what's going to fit right. His yeah. fingers just do the job, I and it's like the first thing I saw of Eric was playing Little Wing. I think maybe oh. just kind of like a YouTube clip of him in a kind of college, I think, in the US somewhere. And it was the kind of it was the chords in between the chords, almost yeah. the, the kind of the magical parts and. Just like you said, his theoretical knowledge must. You don't get that balance of theoretical knowledge of feel. Yes. It kind of tends to be one or the other. They tend to be kind of you know mutually exclusive to one another. But he's nailing both to yeah. an extent we, I've we never did, seen. You know, Pete, Pete and I decided the other day to just because one of the things I think about Eric Gales mm. that makes some of his licks so elusive are down. because all the strings are upside yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. So we got a left-handed guitar and just decided <laughs> to play it. Okay, and obviously we you know we had five minutes of messing around yeah, yeah, before yeah. we started recording so it wasn't like we'd given it years yeah, yeah. of practice but yeah after like a minute or two of into it you just realise there are some so there are some licks that you can play that are relatively simple mm. but that sound totally fresh yeah yeah because oh, it's, it's all upside down it brings different stuff out I guess mm. and I'm kind of a big guy for using the thumb over kind of Hendrix I sort of thing to kind of use the bottom of the chords I guess you kind of lose that if you you have got a massive thumb it's, I've had it elongated <laughs> um, it's a surgical no I am really <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> I, honestly and truly, I, I, let, put your hand up a minute for a second. Uh, I, I, now, I wouldn't have said that our hands are actually, but your thumb is like twice the size of mine. Oh, there we go. I think that gives you a huge That's... advantage, because I can't, but well, not can't play, it yeah. feels, when you're, when you're thumbing the, 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 the bottom E string, mm. which part of your thumb are you, is really on it? Kind of, that I guess on that, crevice on, in the, yeah, on the crevice there, on that kind of knuckle. Is that it's quite uncomfortable, I find knuckles. that, I find that quite... I don't know, is it uncomfortable? Yeah, It's yeah, just yeah. alien, I think, that, rather than uncomfortable. I can't remember. I remember starting to do that, and again, rather sacrilegiously, mm. I kind of discovered, rediscovered probably the word, Hendrix through John Mayer. And kind of, obviously, you kind of went through the trio kind of era with Try and all that kind of stuff, obviously very influenced by Hendrix, and kind of worked my way backwards. And the magic for Hendrix for me is 
the kind of rhythm stuff. The rhythm stuff and the kind of lyrics, but from a guitar perspective, it's the kind of, his rhythm playing is so lyrical and so kind of fluent. It's kind of, mm. it's almost a kind of melody in itself, you know, underneath what he's singing. Um, so, give, yeah. Give us, a, give us a bit of, I, I want to kind of go on and talk about gear and particularly yeah, yeah. the pedal box. It looks awesome. <laughs> but I love, you know, I did, even when you were just, we were just jamming around and I won't, I won't jam over the top of this. Oh. I'll just let you do your thing. Play, give us an example of kind of some of that where you're combining that sort of rhythmic uh, sort of um, sort of you know stuff where perhaps the bottom E is is doing you know is playing a different yeah, part yeah, if yeah. you like to what the perhaps the, the lead lines are doing it's uh, um, like I said it was something that I never kind of I can remember the kind of moment of starting to try to do that but I never remember it being a huge struggle so maybe I have got an abnormally large stand <laughs> I don't know it's uh, it's not hindered me <laughs> at this point but um, yeah I don't know the kind of poor example yeah. but it's that kind of yeah. I get it and, and a bit of course and I must I must try and practice this of course because mm. if you don't use the thumb over to hit that sort of root note of, yeah, of yeah. the chord and you bar it yeah. of course you you don't have the ability then with the rest to, of your to do fingers anything to with really it. do yeah, anything yeah. else so, That's, and, that was the kind of angle I came at it from is mm. if you use your thumb you've got the rest of your fingers then to kind of do what you want really and it is because um, I know when I was when I was learning there was something in the back of my mind that mm. said, no, the tutor book says the thumb's yeah, supposed to yeah, be on yeah. the... Yeah, 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 go around the back so of the neck, yeah. I, I don't think I ever really religiously learned to play like that, but yeah. I always, every time I saw my thumb going over the top, I think I was like, oh, Look, quick, go back. Yeah, 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 not supposed to be there, so <laughs> kind of annoyed, really. I should have, I should have, I should have just gone, no, I just watch Jimmy. Yeah, do what yeah, Jimmy yeah. does. Watch, do whatever Jimmy Never does. mind what the book says. No, so I, it's a kind of probably an inherent disregard for the rules that led me doing that in the first place. I was never one to yeah. follow. You know, as soon as the book said to do something, I would, you know, naturally gravitate towards doing the exact opposite. So, a bit of a contrary. <laughs> what, what is this particular guitar as well? This it looks like an 80s or a 90s strap. It's not. Do you know so. what? It actually gets a lot of questions because it's a bit of a weird one. It's a Highway 1. Strap ah. from 2004. The, um, I can tell now because the yeah. body's that sla slightly more satin yeah, yeah, yeah. finish, isn't it? To be honest, I, is that a Highway One neck? Yeah, I, at least I think so. Um, they're great guitars, and they don't get. It's a bizarre one. I, the reason I bought that, um, I designed some pickups a while ago. It's going to sound like a shameless product placement, but um, designed some pickups a while ago, um, which are actually released as like a signature set now with a company back in Wales called Radio Shop. And all of my existing strats, I didn't want to be kind of cannibalizing or taking anything out of mm. and kind of, you know, not to kind of be sure what the end result was. And I kind of, I don't know much about what's underneath all this, to be honest. I'm a little bit of a Luddite. So I'm scared of touching anything because the yeah. moment you touch it is the moment it's not as good as it was before, obviously, yeah. which is total nonsense, but it's how I kind of rationalize things in my head. So I just wanted a relatively cheap um, strat, just that I wasn't afraid to kind of take apart and kind yeah. of whip the bits and all this kind of stuff to develop the pickups. So I found this on eBay and I didn't really know what it was. The guy selling it rather uh, slyly was kind of like US Strat, which mm. if you look at the headstock, it says made in USA. So I guess it is a US one. Again, there's not a massive amount of info about them, I think, because it was that kind of slightly, not pre-internet, but kind of primitive days of internet where mm. a lot of the bump that came out with this guitar probably would have been printed. 
Um, so I can't find I'm them massive what, high, what they are because at the moment you're, mm. you, you've got Ameri- you've got the special series yeah. Strat and the and the Stan- then into pro- the yeah, well, it's yeah, now yeah, Pro but pro, standard yeah. Yeah. and they are the necks on those are completely the headstock shape is different yeah. it's really obvious to tell them apart mm. that just kind of sits in that, that middle just ground looks of... like the neck of the the serial number is two thousand four yeah. yeah so I'm and I can't remember the height. I mean, to me, if you'd said to me, mm. you know, this is like a, this is some sort of slightly cheaper body, but it's got an American strat neck on it. I'd yeah. have gone, oh, okay, yeah, cool. okay yeah, Maybe so. it has. Who knows? Who knows? It cost um, me 350 quid though. So it's, and it's a stellar, I've actually bought another highway one since that. Um, that's ridiculous. Just, again, as much as me, you know, as much as I would love a custom shop, or love something that's kind of, you know, a gorgeous guitar, the total flip side of that is being terrified of it. You know, kind of not wanting to stick mm. it under the, in the, cargo hold of a plane because you don't know what state it's going to come out in this I'm not overly worried about it you know it cost me 300 quid so I, I think therein lies the the sort of the juxtaposition of, of the Strat design isn't mm. there in that you know really Leo's approach I yeah, think yeah. was make something really affordable really workhorse decent da, yeah. da, da, and then custom shop have kind of gone yeah. or we can just do this like mentally yeah, expensive, expensive version of it and I don't really know I don't really know whether Leo would have approved of the mm. custom shop or not, but I certainly think that, that I guess ultimately it's if it if it makes a noise and oh, feels good yeah. and does a job, then you totally. know, then good for you. Tell me, so the, mm. I've not heard of Radio Shack before. Are they buddies of yours down in Wales? Or they are, they? yeah. They're based, um, yeah, very close to me actually, and they got in touch with me probably about three years ago um, to see if I was interested in using some of their pickups and they were very new at that point mm-hmm. and kind of only really had a couple of models to try so I tried a set of I think they're the 63 specials you know kind of as per pretty much every mm-hmm. kind of pickup company in the land doing a variation or kind of you know as much of a copy as they can get away with of a 63 strap something mm-hmm. like that so I started using their pickups and I think they noticed a bit of a kind of surge in people asking mm-hmm. kind of what pickups is Chris using they, they don't sound half bad um, so they had the idea I then. suspect what they really meant is Chris sounds really good is oh, there I, any shortcut way for me to sound as good as him I don't know him? about that it was, prob- <laughs> it was probably my nan emailing them um, but um, no kind of, I think they kind of noticed a little bit of a surge in interest so they had the idea of kind of maybe doing I don't think the idea was to do a signature set so much as kind of what would you change about them to mm. kind of do them your specifications and we'll look at that and out of the kind of months of kind of you know kind of R&D a kind of signature set was born which we released about six months ago, I guess. Um, and I'd be kind of flat out lying if I said that the response to them hasn't taken us all totally yeah. by surprise. You know, kind of they've been selling incredibly well, kind of to every kind of flower flung. Well, it gives just corner of the play earth. a yeah. clean tone with no effects on it, and just let's have a little listen to what. intentionally kind of voice with that slight top end rolled off yeah just well, got that kind of the one thing they picked up on very early on is that I tend to use the two and four kind of positions a hell of a lot so that was the kind of focus of making those particularly sweet yeah um, I tend to set amps relatively dark anyway I'm not a fan of kind of like in your face yeah. kind of brightness but yeah this is kind of the whole kind of aim of them basically was to kind of get that sweet sort of that two and four kind of thing nailed yeah. but to be honest I've kind of found myself kind of going back to position I never know whether it's one or five the neck basically yeah I know I always thought it was one but apparently it is five apparently yeah. apparently one is here but oh I, there I, you go so that would make that two and that four by that reckon I, who knows exactly who, who knows? knows but yeah the kind of neck sounds particularly
love them. Lovely full bass and they sound yeah. quite low output as well, are they? Are yeah. They... To be honest, again, like I said, anything that goes on underneath the scratch plate, I'm a little bit uh. of a luddite when it comes to specs and all that kind of stuff. But um, the kind of the one thing I do know is that um, the kind of development that they kind of wanted to get in there is. Um, Oh, they tell me this and it goes over my head. It's partial potting, basically, which I know that you've got a kind of, yeah, exactly. Um, you've got wax pot pickups in order yes. to kind of stop them feeding back so you don't get microphonic feedback. The idea that they had is pretty much wax pot them to the extent where you're not going to get feedback, but they're not totally covered in wax like most pickups are. The idea being is that it increases the dynamic response. And again, the one thing that they kind of picked up on prior to designing them was I tend to flick between pick and fingers, which I guess there's right. a lot of inherent dynamic changes in that. So something to try and capture that. Um, so, you know, kind of everyone knows what the pick sounds like, but it's kind of, you know, it's a kind of fuller kind of, you know, kind of, it's, it's skin on string at the end of the day, isn't it? It's going to sound different. To a piece it's, of plastic, it's one of those you know? stupid, it's like, it's a fleshy sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, like, oh, you yeah. know, that means, what is a fleshy sound? You well, run out, you run out of superlatives it and, yeah, It certainly takes that, um, takes that instant attack off, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely. It yeah. slightly smoother Which, sound. when you're doing the kind of slidey stuff, yeah. kind of makes for a little bit more of a, yeah, kind of warmer, whatever that is, you know. So... Uh, I think we need to now get a camera on the <laughs> the uh, pedal board of, of of doom. Many yeah, many guitar players' dreams because there are some iconic pedals on here from the Blues Breaker through to the Centaur, the the the, the, the Timmy. I mean, it, you know, King of Tone. <laughs> and to be honest, with you, it's pretty much. I mean, crikey, what are you got about? That's got to be the most expensive part of your rig, isn't it? I'm still trying Quite. to buy talent is what it boils down to um, <laughs> and fit it on something that will go in, go in front of me. Um, do you know what? I sat down and worked it out how much I spent on it a while ago. And it's one of those things that at no point in my life have I ever it's, had as much money as that now costs. I bet you that's three or four thousand quid. I dread the thing. The power alone is two bloody power bricks underneath it, two um, Voodoo Labs things. That again, I I can't ever recall a point in my life when I had as much money as this top, you know, kind of tots up to. But it's one of those things. If you kind of do it in drabs and drabs, you don't really notice the money kind of seeping out your bank account. And I've just realised as, as well, you, you've uh, unless of course that's a, a misprint on there. Mm. That, that's not a real clone, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> Although I'm going to try and sell it as a real one. If uh, I just, I, when bite. I first saw it, I just yeah. thought, oh wow. So maybe it's not three or four thousand quid. No, I'm just assuming that you've paid. But. What is that? What's that? That then? is made by a company in Malaysia called Seriotone. Um, uh, who very I think much I've heard of them? Do they do like kit? They do amps. amps yeah, amps. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Kind of either building yourself or kind yeah. of you know kind of pre-built amps. Um, who've obviously kind of very much bought in the kind of clone yeah. kind of market. But genuinely, hand on heart, that sounds better than any of the kind of clones that I've tried in the past. Hence, why to be honest, it's a kind of it's an ergonomic thing as much as anything. It wouldn't be on my board being as ludicrously big yeah. as it is if yeah. it didn't sound sound like it does. So yeah, it's one of those kind of. Cliches. Is there is there anything on there that was like you know my first pedal like I don't yeah, know I'm kind of thing it is the blues private that, yeah hand on heart was my first pedal I um, love it and it's a shame I kind of get it ever since I bought the uh, gig rig um, looper here obviously don't have to stand on the pedals yeah and part of the cool bit about that is all the kind of wear and tear across the front from where I've been standing on it after years and that's no longer going to kind of accumulate now so I'm kind of gutted about that but um, yeah hand on heart that was my kind of first pedal and then inevitably kind of you start kind of either reading the gear page a little bit too much or watching your YouTube channel which has drained me of innumerable funds um, over the years but and you start getting into the kind of more boutique kind of stuff and you end up with some analog man stuff you end yeah. up with some emperor stuff etc etc so well take us through I mean is there a you've, you've got everything on there from mm. from potentially like an always on just fat clean yeah, tone yeah, yeah. through to you know you've got the um, the Scott McKeown 
fires, yeah. haven't you? So you've got a bit of everything on there. So give, give us like, you know, what are your, what are your kind of like What's two happening? or three favourite stages of, of gain? So what? basically the Centura um, is always on. It's one oh, of those okay. things. I was going through this with Pete a minute ago, and it's one of those things that it's a cliche to kind of say it works well as a clean boost, but it genuinely does. Let, kind of, have we got... Is this a nothing on at the moment? This is, apart from the EP booster and the Centaur, Centura, it's nothing on. Oh, so. so you don't even have those two as part of your switcher because you never switch no, them off? No, they never, you know, they never so can, on. Can we, can we just switch that? Can I, do yeah, you mind if I just yeah. literally switch that? Yeah, of course. So this is, this is strat straight now it's into the, the Black Star. Probably going to be very quiet, actually, I imagine. And I, I love the fact that you've basically got the gain on the Centura and yeah, the boost totally. on the, but totally as low as they'll yeah, go. And definitely. this is what we get. Uh. Massively more bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of compression. Bit of compression. It kind of pushes out that little bit harder, I guess, inevitably. And I can certainly see why you would never want to switch those off. You know, why? The, it's just it's a good The sound, kind of main it? effect they have is that I don't find myself. Um, well, very rarely playing with nothing on, you know, kind of this either italic compression or a bit of overdrive. So that sound doesn't really get yeah. used very often. The effect they have though is making everything that comes after them sound a little bit better. Yeah. Your overdrive pedals sound nicer with them yeah. on, et cetera, et cetera. So, so, what, so what's your go-to kind of, you know, just that, that's, I don't know, maybe there's a classic sort of Stevie Ray, just slightly sort of driven. King of Tone kicked off the TS-808, which wow. as a kind of a tube screamer devotee who's kind of been through every kind of various kind of, yeah. Incarnation of two streamers at some point, I never thought that would happen, but it's just that kind of. Let's have a, let's have yeah, a listen to that then. Yeah, very cool. Both sides of the analog, man. Both sides, yeah. On all the time. Um, do you know what? I've not really experimented with the kind of kind of blend or turning one off and on. It plugged in and both came on, and that's. Is where there I went some from. psychological reason why every single knob is pointing in the same direction on there? OCD. Is it? Is it? Is it, is it, <laughs> no. is it literally? That's a different pedal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, do you know why? I haven't even noticed. Is it that. some sort of mecca of tone where every single knob is if just point pointing towards the same direction? Pointing back towards Wales, it is. <laughs> That that does sound great. Um, um, yeah. So what, what? And if you wanted to step it up a bit, where do you go from there? Generally speaking, I like to push a little bit more gain into the King of Tone, which okay. is what the Blues Driver does. That's the kind of reason that's still there. That very rarely gets used as a kind of independent standalone yeah. kind of thing. So if you push it with that, it takes it from a bit more something that like scooped a bit. Of the yeah. There's no option to kick the Zen drive in on, on your switch. Do you know what there is? Um, this is where I ran out of loops. At some point, I will get a G2, um, and all hell will break loose, and I will um, evolve into Michael Flatley. Um, but the Zen drive is actually in the same loop as the... Oh, yeah. That's why that doesn't get turned off very often. That is, to be honest, that's there for kind of handbackers and kind of right. when you want a little bit more gain. I very rarely use that with a Strat. Um, Fine. It's that kind of Robin, Robin Ford kind of, you know, kind of thing. Um, but... Um, and then what's next? Do you, do you use the fuzz match? Do you use the, the or do you know what? I'm not a massive fan of fuzz as a standalone effect. I guess the kind of it's very. 
like, oh! Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's kind of like a kick to the face, isn't yeah. it? If you then kind of stack that with the King of Tone or any yeah. kind of vaguely kind of mid-pushed kind of um, overdrive, you know, you get a very... So you're not going for that. You're not going for that sort of almost typical Hendrixy kind of fuzz no, vibe, I'm, are you? In essence, I'm trying to turn it into another overdrive, yeah. pedal, which we might notice I have a bit of a problem with. Um, yeah, kind of, especially with the Strat. I think it's kind of trying to level it out a little bit, kind of make it a little bit more palatable because they can get a bit. See, I, I do. I love. You know, I mean, I, I kind of sometimes I go into Andertons and I mm. look at I look at the amount of pedals that are yeah, for yeah, sale. Yeah. And I just think to myself, Anderton, what are you doing? It's like <laughs> there can't possibly be a need for, for that many seven hundred different overdrive pedals or however many there there are. And then you go, really? I'm the man buying them. Clearly. But it's yeah, not but... just that. It's, it's it's like I think we're all in this. You know, overdrive is is there's no such thing as just like there's no such thing as a, an, like overdrive, an overdrive sound. Yeah. Is there? There's just there's, it's there's, there's there's every color of the rainbow of spectrums within that yeah. over and not only have you got individual pedals making certain sounds you've got combinations of pedals, pedals that make certain I sounds I got drawn into an argument on Facebook a while ago um, oh, sorry pick's gone is it yeah That's, I've uh, got it fall into the alternate dimension they inevitably <laughs> fall into um, got drawn into an argument with someone on Facebook a while ago about the kind of merits of kind of having 45 different shades of overdrive and at the end of the day the kind of the argument that you kind of get faced with is the audience doesn't notice and say for the one or two total nerds like myself kind of out front they won't for the mm. in the grand scheme but what the kind of I guess the kind of argument if there is one is that if a kind of certain overdrive pedal makes you play very slightly differently to another overdrive pedal or ultimately better Yes. that's what the audience will notice that's what kind of filters through them is oh you had a great show tonight yeah. and if that was because I was on fire or because the king of tone is by me that particular yeah. night who needs to care what the reason was you know so. that is the amen and I think that took me probably 20 years of playing and working in Andertons <laughs> and meeting other people and to, to actually realising that most people in the audience you're completely completely right mm. forget they probably wouldn't know whether you swap between a three three five oh, exactly, and a strat yeah. or you know or, or your guitar amp stopped well, working halfway yeah, through yeah. or whatever. You know, but it's what they you know, it is all about the level that the tone inspires you to, yeah. to hit. It's facilitating what you want to sound like, isn't it? And if yeah. that's what they will notice ultimately yeah. is if you have a good show and yeah. like there's said, nothing worse, I don't think, as a guitar player, as just going something isn't right and yeah. I'm turning around and it's Try like to, does it need a bit of this or yeah. does it need a bit of that and it you know that is yeah. that's the problem and when everything is yeah, you know yeah, when yeah. the tone is just there and you haven't got to worry about any of that stuff it puts you you're more in the zone of playing yeah. then, you know which again is the kind of if there is a downside of having a pedal board like this is that it's more things to worry about which shout out to Dan Steinhardt the gig rig was the kind of big um, kind of factor in me getting the loop pedal is that even if it worked for an entire show, I would, before I had that, even if the pedal board worked for the entire show without any issues, I'd spend my life, there was a kind of small part of me thinking, what if a lead goes? Yeah. How the hell will I find that? In Either in the dark, or if you're you know, on a festival stage for yeah. a download, how the hell will you find that? Oh, I see. So people, what you're basically you know? saying is your worst case scenario mm. here is that one pedal won't work. Yeah, and, and, it, then and everything else that. still will. That, Unless, of course, the uh, gig rig thing doesn't work. 
Yeah, don't say that now. No, which it obviously, it's obviously Dan, gonna, Dan yeah. Steinhardt will put me in a full, I can't remember what he does. It's like some sort of ninjutsu, <laughs> mega karate <laughs> thing. But basically, if I ever inferred that any of Dan's stuff ever went wrong, I expect he would whoop but my ass. Having said that, now you can guarantee that. Uh, no, it won't. I don't think. I, I, to be honest with you, I think that's why all the pros use his stuff. Yeah, because it's just. It's, oh, it's, it's they're built like tanks. You know, they're kind of indestructible, and you can take it out with without any worry of anything happening to it. Yes. You know, so too true. Um, Although, of course, it doesn't all have to be about having really, really expensive pedals. Because I noticed hmm. you've got a Moa Trelicopter on there, I have, which yeah. would have cost you the princely sum of probably about fifty quid. It did so. Um, your patch cables were about 10 times the price of oh, that pedal. Oh, do you know what? I worked out a while ago how much I spent on patch cables. That's scary. So Pete says the same on his board. The patch cables are... What did you reckon? 500? Oh, really? Oh, man. I, huh? Oh, George Owls, eh? Do you know what? I would have George Owls on here if it wasn't for the fact that they need to be kind of mega thin line ones in order to fit everything. I'm going to say that I need, but that I want on the pedal board. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the 199 shitty patch cables yeah. part of my tone, man. It's where, it's where it all comes. If I change those out, it's all, everything goes wrong. Stevie Ray used to use like Radio Shack chip cables, didn't he? Because he was insistent that he liked the high end that you lost. <laughs> I so, totally made that up, but you've backed me up back with the Stevie with Ray evidence. thing. Here we go. It's Stevie I, I did don't it. know. Yeah. I um, kind of... Um, I, there was, I, I, I love it when I love it when people go you know you do this whole buffer true bypass mega expensive cables everything like that. And, I, and, I, and it does take me back to going you know in, in the 1950s where you had all these pioneering guitar makers mm. and amp makers and all this kind yeah, of yeah. stuff I swear blind all they were doing was plugging the oh. stuff in with shitty cables yeah. and making great noises that's the thing so, most of the classic albums that you love will have been made with gear that was probably on its arse at some point you know um, and but, you find, with a very few exceptions of kind of the nerdy kind of players, the pros who were kind of properly into that sort of stuff. I remember asking Slash about kind of some element of his rig, and it was kind of, oh, I asked my tech, you know, they don't care as long as it kind of works and as long as it does the job that they want it to do. Who cares whether it's a you know an expensive patch cable or whether it's something they found? Unless you're that, Eric Johnson. Yeah, and yeah, obviously being the he's the one percent of that. Uh, yes, apparently he can tell if a fuse is back to front in one of his amps. Comes and changes his own batteries then before shows and it's I've read it's everything. do you know what I watched a rigged rundown or something with Eric Johnson yeah. a while ago where he said something about kind of preferring to run his amps at eight ohms for lead and it was some like totally esoteric he, kind of bizarre we, we, thing we like had that. a clinic with Eric and I got to meet him and yeah. he is a complete sweetheart oh, I got to yeah. meet his tech uh, who explained uh, why the battery thing is you know the yeah. battery thing is quite a bit more rational yeah, yeah, yeah. than you would think oh, yeah, and the, you know yeah. drive pedals do change characteristically depending on the voltage range. but some of the stuff was like he had um, he, you know like a, a four way oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. he was insistent that we go and get um, UK to US converters right, yeah. so that he could use, use his own one. four ways rather than just using the generic one gen yeah. like a four way that we had yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of the mains leads are glued into the, the four ways with little labels on them as, as to which amp they're supposed to be plugged into because <laughs> apparently if you don't He's use the, the right mains lead into the right socket it's just like so but if do you know what though again if he can hear it yeah. and we go back to that comment we had earlier on it doesn't matter if no Who one else can, else can hear it, it. Yeah. it doesn't even matter if all it is is psychosomatic for him if it yeah. if, if he feels more comfortable playing yeah. and oh, it, totally, yeah. then he should absolutely you know glue the you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's not one of his like, pedal on a kind of little wooden riser, isn't it, as well, or something like that to kind of make it further away from another pedal. <laughs> well, but that, again, stuff like that, I um, we joke about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I bet you, if you took this pedal port mm. apart and 
you know, I bet you could alter the tone of that pedal board oh. by separating the pedals and doing different things with the pedal. I bet you could. I had Hal's Delight with a wah pedal once that was wouldn't like be in anywhere kind of near the the power supply underneath. Yeah. Which, given there's two of them, kind of alongside yeah. one another, was it kind of there was a no win because he couldn't get further away to avoid the hum. And oh, definitely this this you know kind of innumerable sort of. Uh, What's your just to finish then on the mm. pedal board? Yeah. What is your what What's the solo that you do in the set where you're most looking forward to it because it's your like where you think you get the best sound out of your pedal board? There's a track we do uh, with Buckingham. It's called Sinking, um, which by the time we introduce it to whatever PA system, invariably sounds like stinking. Um, <laughs> so that's probably what people will know it as. Um, which the, the end solo of that is pretty much kind of everything on you know kind of go do for it. it. Come on, um, give us give us a little twenty second rendition of. Some of that um, of stinking. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the king of tone, stacked generally with the blues breaker. Yeah. Um, and a hair of delays. So um, yeah. <laughs> That's one of those that kind of. That did sound a bit Clapton-y from the sort yeah, of era yeah, yeah. that I kind of oh, like. It'll, it'll seep in every now and then. It's uh, like I said, I'm a That's culmination great, of man. my influences, I think. So, and just um, let's give a yeah. shout out to to the Black Star. I know they've been quite supportive to you in your career, yeah, haven't they? they? They're great. Um, obviously, the artist thirty as well. Kind of was the first amp. Actually, the first amp of theirs I used was the S150, which was obviously kind of very much more kind of yeah, thirty-four kind of British voice kind of thing. But I think this is six L six, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more kind of. Twin esque in its kind of voicing, I guess. Um, that is, yeah, just gorgeous, really kind of and durable as well. Um, mine's been with me all over the place, you know, either in the back of a van or in the back of a Ford Focus. And as yet, again, touch wood, the moment you mention anything is the moment it yeah, all goes wrong, sure. doesn't it? But, you know, yet has kind of been indestructible. So, um, yeah. Do you know what? I'm looking forward actually. We're playing a festival in Spain next month and they've got a Artisan Half Stack, I think, waiting over there for me, um, which was obviously the kind of first, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the first one of it. And I don't think I've ever actually played through one. So that'll be the first experience bit, of that. They're a bit more voxy, I think. Yeah, like, that's the, what the I've artisan. been told. Yeah. So this was more... this was definitely the more sort of fendery yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. vibe, Trying wasn't it? Tap into that kind of groove, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I bet you'll have some fun with the Artisan. Yeah, a little oh, bit yeah. more maybe. If it makes a noise, I'm happy, you know. And people can hear me. I'm not particularly. I say that I am particularly weird about it. Obviously, there's a board sat in front of me to attest to that, but I'm not gonna, you know, if it uh, makes a noise and people can hear me, that's the the end game. I think it's been great. <laughs> so look, we'll 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 sign out with a with a little bit of a jam. We're going to grab a different guitar for Chris because I know again, uh, Yamaha have been helping you out recently. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. with a few bits and bobs. No, so you've definitely. got a star off of them, which we'll have a little noodle on. And um, wait, so. Anywhere, if people want to find out more about uh, you and yeah, Buck and all, Evans, where would they go? All the usual sort of necessary evils, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, myself, Chris Buck. Um, Got to be careful with that one. Um, or <laughs> Buck and Evans, um, which I appreciate sounds like solicitors. Um, moonlighting as a band. But again, Buck, Amps and Evans, you'll find us dotted all around the place, you know, generally making a nuisance of ourselves. So oh, cool. um, And festivals this year or anywhere where, yeah, where you mentioned where were you saying Spain did you Spain say? yeah um, for a man sweating in Guildford in May it's going to be great fun in there I did a tour of Spain recently two week thing in the back of a van um, the saving grace of which was um, really was stinking oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. horrendous yeah. Um, cheese was the sort of staple diet as well so you can imagine in the back of a Brutal. van for a fortnight um, saving grace of which was a stage fan 
in the back of the van plugged into the saving grace which was a plug socket in the van because there was no aircon in the fan in the van look so we had this fan kind of keeping us cool for a fortnight around spain but um yeah we've got uh stone free festival at the o2 with cool. rainbow um you'll find us on the bill if you squint hard enough <laughs> on the poster um although if you say it quick enough everyone assumes you're supporting rainbow it's the great thing about doing these festivals yeah we're playing with uh you know slayer um <laughs> o2 uh for stone free festival then we are off to uh, Spain for as Cana Festival in Vitoria. Then we're back and we've got a run of dates then in July around Birmingham, Manchester, and we're just finalising Glasgow, Newcastle, all top north. So uh, get well, about a bit. Let us know, you know, if you're ever in uh, this. Uh, yeah, the woods. Find the woods. We'll, yeah, we'll, definitely. I'll drag a couple of the guys out and we'll, <laughs> oh, we'll come you. and see you. But look, awesome. thanks for coming on, man. Oh, I'll see Appreciate you. Good luck with pleasure. everything as well. Thank you very much, Lee. Thanks for watching, guys. Uh, enjoy this final jam, hopefully. <laughs> enjoy half of it anyway. And uh, we shall see you soon on Anderton's TV, the home of guitar shit. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> and other shit. That's the, that's yes. the slogan. <laughs>
Marvellous. Tidy. Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you next time.